Alright, I want you to go in your Bibles really quickly. Let's go uh, to 1 Samuel chapter 21. 1 Samuel chapter 21. I'm going to start reading at verse number 1 and I'm going to go down to verse number 9. 1 Samuel 21 verse 1 through 9. When you have it, say I have the bread. Then came David to Nob to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David and said unto him, Why are you alone? Why is no one with you? And David said unto Ahimelech the priest, The king have commanded me to do some personal business. And he said unto me, Don't let nobody know anything about this business while I'm sending you on. And what I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Don't it sound like us? <laughs> Verse 3. Now therefore... What is under your hand? Give me five loaves of bread in, in my hand and, and what there is present. And the priest answered David and said, I don't have no common bread in my hand, but there's some communion bread. If the young men have kept themselves at least from women. And David answered the priest and said unto him, of a truth, women have been kept from us about these three days. In other words, we sanctify since I came out and the vessels of the young men are holy and the bread is in a manner common, yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. So the priest gave him hallowed bread, for there was no bread there but the show bread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day detained before the Lord and his name was Doeg an Edomite the chiefest of the herdsmen that belongeth to Saul. And David said unto Ahimelech, And is there not here under thy hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor weapons with me, because I, you know, I was such in a hurry taking care of the king's business. Verse 9 is my last verse. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath. And all of God's people said, Amen. Share with your neighbor is on your way to your seat. Tell them, may you remember. Lord, may you remember. It seems like um, this last uh, couple of months, we've been talking about David a lot. Because our theme this year is one thing. Uh, coming from Psalm 27, verse 4, when David says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. We love David. We love the story of David. We love the poetry of David. We love the songs of David. We love David in such a way that we name our children David. And we give him credit for all of the Psalms, even if he didn't write all of them. But we just like David. David is a protagonist in, in the biblical accounts. Um, and he's our hero, depending on what chapter we find him in. <laughs> because most of the time when we talk about David, we only talk about Psalm 23, David. Amen. Psalm 100, David. But you know, David is a complex character. He's not a flat character. He's a dynamic character. It does not mean that David is a hypocrite or he's false. It just means that uh, David is graced to, to serve and to lead and to minister with all that he is. And God knows everything about David. 
and he calls David a man after my own heart. Whoo, David, mm, David, David, our hero, David, a man who's been anointed to be king at a young age. The anointing came at a young age, but the rain didn't come to sometime later. I want to say that to you in here because many of us in our lives, we've experienced the call of God. We've experienced the anointing of God. We've heard the assignment. But I want you to write this down. The assignments come with the salts. Assignments come with the salts. Yes, to everything you've been assigned to do, there's the help of the Lord. And you need the help of the Lord because of the warfare of the enemy. <laughs> yes, that's why David said he's my shield and my buckler. He's my rear guard. Why? Because with everything you're assigned to do, there's an enemy of your anointing that wants to keep you from fulfilling it. But I said, I heard something last night at Pastor Cynthia Perkins Church that blessed me. They said, God gets all the glory and the devil gets nothing. Ah, that thing encouraged me. I'm going to say God gets all the glory and I'm going to let y'all finish it out. All right. God gets all the glory. Glory be to God. Now, some of y'all need a little Pentecostal church class. He goes, and the bamba damba damba. Nah, you can't know. You don't, you don't talk about the enemy being defeated and said like you're in a library. I want everybody in this room that you've come through some extreme warfare this season. I'm going to shout, God gets all the glory. <laughs> and the devil gets nothing. That's why sometimes when you all testifying, I'll shout out, turn it to victory. Because sometimes you'll start telling your story and you'll start giving the devil more time than you give God the time. Yes, I went through it, but I came out of it. Hallelujah. I was sick, but he healed me. I was bound, but he delivered me. I said, God gets all the glory. The devil, don't you give the devil no credit. Don't you give the devil no credit. Give the devil no time. Glory be to God. Because when you look, you'll see that God's hand has prevailed in every chapter of your life. Yes, David is anointed to be king at a young age. But there's a space and time between the anointing and the reigning. And that's where we need grace. That's where we need strength. Because that in-between time will make you question what you thought you heard. That in between time will make you, if it is true, it'll make you want to give it back. Right. The, the in between time. The, the in between time will sometimes make you think maybe you missed your turn. Have you ever been driving down through the country and sister GPS kind of left you alone? You know, when he says, yo, turn left, turn right. And then you turn and then you come to a dead end and she just go like this. She don't say nothing. She don't respond. And then start rerouting you. I've been driving before in the country, even before GPS days. <laughs> and, and, I, and somebody gave me directions, you know, country directions. Go down here, turn at the white store. And when you get there in the fork of the road, it's going to be this big tree with a limb leaning to the side. And it's going to be a heavyset man sitting on the porch and he's going to wave at you. And when you see him, you turn and you're going to know you're going in the right direction. Come on, country folk. Talk to me in here. 
But have you ever been driving down through Nerona or Long Island? Have you ever been driving through Hodges? <laughs> Burnt chimney. <laughs> have you ever been driving through these country roads or on, even on the highway and it's going so long it makes you wonder, did you miss your turn? To the point, you'll even get to the moment where you say, you know what? I think I'm going to turn around. Because this don't look like, mm, this don't look like where I was trying to get to. This area don't look like my destination. So maybe I'll turn around. I need you to stop somebody in your row right now and tell them, don't turn around, don't turn around. Just because it don't look like what God promised don't mean you went the wrong direction. See, we are people of instant gratification, but there's seasons of your life. You got to learn how to ride it out until you see what's next. You got to learn how to ride it out. If God hasn't said nothing different, that means God hasn't changed his mind. Tell somebody, ride it out. Keep riding until he give you another sign. I've seen the times I was trying to get to Elkhorn Lake, <laughs> way on the other side of Danville, and I thought I missed my turn, and I almost turned around. And right when I got ready to turn around, it said Elkhorn Lake seven miles ahead. If I would have missed the sign, Hallelujah. I would have been thrown off schedule. And how many people have turned around and went back to their base? Because the journey didn't feel good. The journey ain't gonna always feel good, saints. Ah, but there's grace for transition. There's grace for the in-between. There's grace for the journey. I may not be preaching to everybody, but it's okay. I just want to preach to somebody who heard what they heard, but now they're suspended in a God-forsaken place. And where you are right now looks nothing like what God said. But I need you to tell somebody, surely God don't lie. Surely God don't lie. I tell you, look for a sign, and this is your sign. Keep going, keep going. David you are anointed you are anointed to be king the only challenge is you are anointed for a seat that somebody else is already sitting in not only is somebody else already sitting in it you have to serve the seat I'm going to say this and it's going to be problematic for some of you it's okay I'm going to say it and all of you that got faith in God and have a little trust in me, I want you to say it behind me, all right? Say, serve the seat, even when you don't like the person. Come on, repeat after me. Serve the seat, even when the person is complicated. I'm going to say it one more time. Tell them, serve the seat, even if they're trying to kill you. I'm serving this. See, sometimes people don't understand you. How can you love them? How can you still serve them? How can you still be nice to them after you know before you got to work they were discussing you? Because it ain't about the person, it's about the seat. I'm called to serve the seat. David has to serve and dodge. Let me tell you. You know, we make all these covenants for marriage, but sometimes you have to stay in that covenant, not because of the other person. You got to serve the person because of the God you made a commitment to. I promised God I was going to love them. 
I promised God I was going to be faithful, but they won't been, they ain't been faithful to me. And I'm going to show them that I can have somebody on the side too. Baby, that don't just taint them. That taints you. Come on, somebody. Serve them. Let me tell you something, you gossipers in here. Gossip just doesn't mess up the other person's character. It also messes up yours. Because while you talk about other people, we will never see you the same. I don't care how they handle you. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, I am not responsible for how they handle me. I'm only responsible how I handle them. Hallelujah. I've had times where people came to me and said, you know, I just wanted to tell you, somebody said this about you. And I said, really? And I felt the urge. I felt the urge to say, I know they didn't say this about me. Because... Ain't that somehow people are trying to mess up your life with a lie where you could destroy theirs with the truth? It takes discipline and it takes the Holy Ghost that when you want to use your words as a weapon that the Lord has said, hold your peace and let me fight your battle. I say it all the time and I'm going to say it again. Sometimes God has to shut your mouth to save your future. Because David has to serve Saul. And listen, Saul needs him, but Saul doesn't want him. And that's the difference. Because there's some people who need you. They need what you bring. They need what you can do. But at the root of them, they don't really want you. Because Saul is looking at his divine replacement. Wow. He's looking at his divine replacement. But let's look at David. Let's look at David. David is anointed for his seat. But if you look at it, David really doesn't want his seat. David wants his relationship. All David really wants out of Saul is a father. I don't have time. This is Sunday morning. I could really take you through the scope and the span of David's life to show you that something must have happened. I'm still trying to put my finger on it and and, and scholars are still debating it. Uh, But the the Bible tells us that when when Samuel came to Jesse's house, and just in case you don't know who Uncle Jesse is, Uncle Jesse is David's father. When Samuel came to find the next king, and Samuel said, one of your boys is going to be the next king of Israel. And he brought all of his sons in front of Samuel. And the oil wouldn't flow. Even Samuel, the prophet, said, oh, surely this is the one. And even the prophet considered that this was the one. And God was like, no, you look at the outward. You looking at his shoulders. You looking at his height. Uh-uh. I'm looking at what's on the inside. And the oil wouldn't flow. Tell your neighbor, the oil don't lie. The oil don't the oil don't lie. I don't care what title I put on you. If you're not anointed for it, the oil is not going to lie. And, and, the, and the Bible said, Samuel said, looked at him and said, hold on, the oil is not flowing. Are these all your sons? And, and David and Jesse said, I mean, I got one, but he don't really count. I mean, look at the words. Look at the verbiage that's used. Uh, my question is, why would Jesse not even include David in the beginning? Well, somebody says, somebody got to watch the sheep. But Samuel don't come to the house every day. 
And even if David is not going to be the next king, Keto, at least let him be there to witness one of his brothers be anointed. What is it about David that Jesse would rather him not be in front of him? What, what is it about David that reminds Jesse of something that Jesse says, I would rather you stay at a distance so I'm not reminded of what was. My, what is it about? It's not, let me tell you something. Nothing is more complicated where you have to look at something that consistently reminds you of your mistake. My God. My God. It, it ain't nothing like when you are Abraham and you got to live in the house with Hagar and Sarah, Isaac and Ishmael. Don't y'all look at me like that I know what it is to have to live in the house with your mistake and so what we do we keep it at a distance and so David comes and David is a it's David oh wow and everybody oh wow it's David and what do they do with David after we find out that David is anointed to be king all right going back out to the field what is that if I have, if I was a father and the prophet of Israel says he's the next king, I was like, no, 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 you come stay at the house. No, you come. We got to get you prepared. No, don't you get your hands dirty. No, David went right back to the field. And then he's called for, hallelujah, to come serve in the palace, the man he's been anointed to replace. And as crazy as this man is. Instead of David staying away from him, he's serving and dodging. He's doing things over and over to prove to Saul, my heart is right towards you. Nothing is more draining than trying to keep proving to somebody over and over that I'm not your enemy. I'm not your competition. I really won't come. Don't y'all leave me out here by myself. Have you ever had the consistently trying to prove? But when somebody is broken on the inside, when somebody is messed up in their mind, no matter what you say, it is never enough. Come on, it's never enough. And that's why some of us need to apologize to some people. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, just go ahead and practice. I apologize to you because you met me in my broken season. No, no, no. And so David wants relationship with Saul. What does he want out of Saul? He wants relationship. We see it because he even attaches himself to Saul's oldest son, Jonathan. He attaches himself. And that's what some of us have done. We've attached ourselves to people looking for connection. The only challenge with it is when you're hungry for connection and when you're hungry for affirmation, a pure intention can end up becoming perversion. You can have good intentions because you just want connection. You want an attachment. You want one time in your life after you've been living out in a field by yourself and you've been sleeping with sheep that don't even speak your language. You just want one season of your life that you can have some sort of mutuality. Somebody you can call your own. Somebody that got your back. And out of your attempt for 
affirmation and connection because you desperate you ended up in perversion and now David is saying to Jonathan my love for you is more than a love for a woman I, I'm sorry I didn't mean to go there with y'all I know it's this morning but I need you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor I won't looking for sin I was just looking for connection this is why when kings went to battle David stayed at home because he don't know whether he want to be by himself or he want to be with people because when you deal with isolation it begins to make you question what you really want and what you really need so then David David is serving him but at some point he has to distance himself because I'm trying to stay and help you and I'm keep trying to prove to you that my heart is right towards you but you're trying to assassinate me so when helping you is hurting me I've got to make my exit no no I want to be here for you, but I got to make sure my desire to be loved and accepted is not a, at a detriment to my own existence. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I made some bad decisions in my broken place. <laughs> I, I, I really, I was broke. I made some bad decisions. I was dealing, I stayed connected to some things and to some people too long hallelujah that that it was clear and it was written on the wall that they were trying to destroy me anytime somebody close to you and then when y'all have a fallout they start using your business as a threat y'all ain't saying nothing to me that's a sign get out get out tell somebody get out get out get out get out anytime they keep talking about they don't have what they don't have to and I don't have to be with you and we don't have to be together come on you better be very careful because anytime people keep holding options over your head that's telling you that they're not rooted I gotta, I gotta, David said, I gotta go. I don't, listen, I don't want to go. Now, I know this don't make sense to some of y'all because, uh, because some of you are, and I'm not jealous of it. Well, in a way, sometimes I'm a little jealous of it. I have to work through jealousy about this. All of you that came up in a harabo shop, came out there. I declare every beast and creature you come subject to the Holy Ghost in here. <laughs> All of you to come through some wonderful, wholesome family culture. I mean, I'm happy for you. I realized if I hadn't went through what I went through, I wouldn't be who I am. But sometimes some of us question why do people stay in abusive relationships? Why stay? Well, I must ask you. Why did you stay so long? Yeah, that's a good question. Let us ask. Why did I stay so long? An abusive relationship. An abusive church. Have you ever left an abusive atmosphere and culture? And now, when you first come out, you can fake it like, oh yeah, I'm so glad I left. But the truth is, when you first come out, there's a little withdrawal. It's why someone who's been in a domestic relationship, they go back four or five times 
before they finally make a decision. Now, I know you're looking at it and say it doesn't make any sense. But why would somebody stay in an abusive relationship? Because although it's abusive, it's familiar. So, it's fun. so why should I, for me to, to, to leave where I am, although it's hurtful and it's abusive, what will be my existence outside of it? Because I know this. I know how to play the instrument for him and I've gotten it down to a science how to move my head to the left. I got it down to a science when he starts picking up something. Oh, I see he's about to throw something. So here we go. I didn't got it down to a science how to hear them and not hear them. I've learned how I've got it down to a science how when they throw their slander at me, I just go to my happy place. I got it down to a science. But now I'm finding out that these are not threats anymore. There's coming a moment I'm not going to be able to dodge it. And Jonathan says to David, you better get out. Get out of here. Get out of here. And he runs. Um, I'm down to my last one minute and 30 seconds. No, I got a flight to catch. He down, he's now running for his life. And listen what David does. David goes and get his parents out of Bethlehem. And he takes them to the Moabites and say, y'all keep my mom and daddy. Now, why does he do that? Because somebody says, Saul doesn't want his mom and daddy. No, no. David understands that if the enemy, oh, I'm sorry. Glory be to God. Some of y'all will get this revelation that if the enemy can't get you, he'll attack the closest thing to you. Did you hear what I said? Some of the assault against your family is not about your family. It's about your assignment. Some of you, that your marriage would not be under fire unless you surrendered. Your children would not have this tension going on in the house right now unless you had said yes to God. I want you to lay your hands on your neighbor's shoulder. Tell them you are a holy threat. You are a threat to the forces of darkness. You are a threat to demonic systems. And you got to get a revelation that this ain't normal. This is spiritual warfare. But the weapons of our warfare are not corner but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds screaming somebody tell them this is not normal this is warfare I said screaming y'all just said it shout to somebody tell them this is not normal this is warfare and you can't fight spiritual warfare with natural means. You're going to have to learn how to cover your family like you've never covered them before. You're going to learn how to pray like you've never prayed. You're going to have to turn your plate over and fast because this time goes out only by prayer and fasting. Only by prayer and fasting. He said, get my, get my kids out. Get my, get my parents out. Get my parents out. And he has a little group that comes with him. Now, now, it's the people who owe Saul money. You don't always get to choose who comes. And you don't always get to choose who God uses to help you. But you always better stay sober about who they are. Some people, it ain't, it ain't because you're so wonderful. It's that they need an escape plan too. 
if you don't believe me, quickly you'll learn how that kind of crowd flips up on you. I, 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 don't, I don't want you to walk around schizophrenic. I just don't want you to be shocked when the people you feed fish and, and loaves to, that when they switch up, when you stop feeding them, you find out who they really are. Mm. So don't, don't ever take your multitude and put them in your 12. Glory be to And even all them in your 12 can't go up the mountain with you of transfiguration. Even out of your 12, you ain't got but three. Please, I hope you don't think all of your Facebook friends are your real friends. <laughs> He's on the run, y'all. He's living out of a box. And he has to grieve. Because first of all, when you first come out, you got to grieve what you left behind. Although some of it was ugly, every day wasn't ugly. See, that's the challenge. If it was all bad, it would be easier for me to walk away. But there were moments it made me feel good. It was moments it made me feel supported. It was moments it made me think maybe it will be better. Maybe they mean right this time. When they said they'll never do it again, maybe. You know, Thanksgiving, we did get along at Thanksgiving. So I'll see you Christmas and then you get to Christmas. It's that same drama all over again. And so you're like, I know I'm just talking about this out loud for you all that you just consecration. You walking with God, you cut it off, you cut them off. And now it's a, it's a text message said, just thinking about you. Hey, I didn't want to bother. You're not bothering me. And then you still. I mean, we can still hang out sometime. I mean. And you forgot the toxicity. Because the in-between space will make you romanticize the leeks and the onions and the watermelons in Egypt. Well, we did know what we were going to eat every day. Out here, all we eating is manna. Yeah, you had a buffet in Egypt, but you also forgot they were keeping you in captivity. They were feeding you just so they could control you. Oh, God, I felt the whole, oh, God, I felt the Holy Ghost. I felt, I'm serious, I felt the Holy Ghost go. I felt the sword of the Lord. And so David goes from being a palace citizen to own a run with a ragtag citizen. He's running around, hiding over here, hiding over there, standing in a cave. And then he comes up on a city, a little town called Nob. Don't many people live in Nob. Can't you tell by the name? Don't know, about a handful of people live in Nob. And the people who live in Nob are priests. It's a holy town. You know, because they got to stay consecrated and stay sanctified. And when David walks up on Nob, Ahimelech, the high priest, says, hold up. What are you doing here? Because you never rode by yourself. You're David, the prince. Nothing is more awkward is when you have to explain to people or answer the question, where are they? Y'all don't know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the people you were rolling with. 
the church you used to go to? And then it's a high pastor so and so. You're like, I think he, I think he's doing good. Not that it's more awkward when y'all were this close and then people say, oh, because you know when I see you, I see them. And you're like, nah. He said, and, and it didn't even make Ahimelech feel comfortable to see David by himself. So you know what David did? David said, oh, um, I ran out real quick because Saul got me on a special assignment. And because he got me on a special assignment, he told me not to take anybody with me. You know what Saul, you know what David did? And I know we said growing up, they called his story, but David lied. Now, before you judge David's decision, you got to know David's option. Because the Bible says there was a loyalist to Saul. Got to read that scripture. He was there too. So David had to buy time. He did what he had to do. He said, uh-uh, um, uh, Saul sent me on a special mission. He said, by the way, uh, you got something to eat? Just a little something to eat. He said, what? Ahimelech said, well, um, I ain't got no common bread. I got some communion bread. I got the show bread. I got the 12 loaves to represent the tribes. Hallelujah. That means to, to feed the face of God. But, but this is getting ready to be discarded because the new bread is coming tomorrow. Because the Bible said, give us this day our Oh my God. He said, well, I doubt that it should be okay to give you this bread. David said, yeah, give me about five loaves. Just give me, you know, when you go to the bakery, you get it right before it's discarded. Then, then David said, got anything, any sword or knife or anything I can fight with? Because I, I left in such a hurry, I didn't get to go by the arsenal. <sighs> And Ahimelech said, well, you know, we a priestly house. We ain't got no weapons. We just got one sword that we keep safe here. He said, what's that? He says, I got, got Goliath's sword. For David to be in a season of wandering. And not just W.A. wandering, but also W.O. wandering. Where am I going? I thought I was anointed. I thought I was chosen. Now I'm over here lying to get something to eat. I went from being a master musician to begging for bread that don't belong to me. And the people who are with me ain't really with me. And I'm now instead of building a house for my parents, I'm hiding my parents among the Moabites. Thank God he had a great, great grandmother that was a Moabite. <laughs> God gonna make sense out of all the miscellaneous pieces. Because there was a roof that knew a, a Boaz that had an Obed, and out of an Obed, they had a Jesse, and out of a Jesse, there came a David. I said, God gonna make sense. The other time I should be building a house for my parents, I'm hiding my parents. I have now brought, I have now brought threats, not just on my life, but now my decisions and who I am. And the anointedness on my life is affecting the people around me. 
What will it look like? How will I come out of this? Will I survive this? And Ahimelech says, I got one weapon. It's Goliath's sword. It's Goliath's sword. What did that do for David? What did that do for him? What did that moment speak to him? When he took that sword and looked at it. You know what that did? David started looking at that sword and said, I remember. I'm facing something I ain't never fought before. But I remember the giant that I had never fought before. I remember when the armies of the Lord was shaking in their boots. And the spirit of the Lord came on me with some sort of faith and some sort of bravery, some sort of courage. And I came, hallelujah, before Goliath. And I told him, I don't come with mighty armor. Hallelujah. But I come in the name of the Lord. And when I took down Goliath, I took his own sword. This sword. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, this sword. Come on, tell him. This testimony. Hallelujah. This memory. I need you to encourage somebody to tell him, may you remember. May you remember the mountains he brought you over. May you remember the valleys he brought you through. Jeremiah says it like this. This I recall to my mind. Therefore I have hope. It's because of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. His compassion failed not. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. I want you to get out of your seat and tell somebody different day but the same God. Different situation but the same God. Here's another giant but I remember the last giant and with the sword of Goliath I remember with the sword of Goliath I remember with the sword of Goliath Tell somebody, may you remember in your dark, y'all stand up, I'm finished. Come on, tell somebody, may you remember on your dark days, may you remember on your hard days, may you remember. May you remember. May you remember. May you remember. That's why, Elder Vance, when you said, make a sticky note, I remember I told Morgan, I said, make a sticky note. May you, may you remember because I'm going to tell you it'll be a good shout if I could tell you you know hey look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor it's over tell your neighbor it's behind you and all those words got their moments that's not what God told me to tell you because some of you all are in the middle and sometimes every middle season don't leave away by morning time. Oh no, joy don't come in the morning. It just may not be in the morning. It may not be tomorrow morning. Oh yeah, he gonna turn it around. But there gonna be moments you gonna turn around and you gonna be like, oh. Oh. You gonna have days where you walk around the walls of Jericho and they will not come down. See, we always talk about how the walls came down. They came down on the seventh day. After they walked around it seven times. You got to read the scripture. They had walked for six days before and nothing happened. 
And some of them were afraid to go into Jericho when they found out later that the people of Jericho knew their testimony. Did y'all hear how Brother Axel shared his testimony today? And all of us got one. All of, all of us got one. But may we, may we remember, because there are going to be days, Danny, you're the principal of that school, and we celebrated that you are now the principal of the school. And we go, yeah. Brother Danny Rule is the principal of E.C. Glass High School. But there are going to be days you're going to have to go in your office and shut the door and remind yourself I've been called to this. Because what happens when your greatest supporters become your greatest opposition? Oh yeah, people will celebrate you when you start. And I'm not trying to make, I'm not trying to make you cynical and not be optimistic. I just want you to be sober. Because many of us are taken off guard when things start happening. But the Bible says, we're not ignorant. You know, Anytime we say, oh, hallelujah. Being anointed come with blessings. Yes. But also comes with warfare. Posture yourself. Posture yourself. Don't let it come on you and take you off guard. Said, oh yeah, okay. I see what this is. But I remember. It gave David a second wind to fight. Because if I was able to fight a giant as a young boy, I'm not that same young boy. I want you to tell somebody I got history with God. Sometimes you got to rehearse it. Everybody hold up the sword of Goliath. Hold it up. This is when what the enemy tried to use to destroy you you turned it back on him I'm talking about when the enemy tried to hold information over your head and you testified about it yourself <laughs> that's taking Goliath's own soul and I, I don't I don't believe the rock killed him I don't believe the rock killed him. I believe the rock just sedated him long enough. Knocked him out cold. That's why David had to take the sword. To cut the head off. So it can't come back. I need you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I'm cutting the head off of it. So I won't have to deal with it again. Hey! The head of my giant will be a trophy. The head of my giant will be a trophy. The head of my giant will be a trophy. And I will declare it's the Lord's victory. The Bible says man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I pray that you are blessed by the message today. And if you want to continue to get more inspirational, motivational, and even more gospel messages, I encourage you to follow our YouTube channel or subscribe to our podcast. And today we want to give you an opportunity to partner what we're doing domestically here at our local church and what we're doing all over the world. There are ways to give. And remember, when you sow, 
That seed may leave your hand, but it'll never leave your life. The Bible declares to us that when we sow, seeds are connected to harvest. Well, I want you to remember that I know what it feels like to cry until you have no more tears left to cry. But after you finish crying, don't stop. Get up and keep going.